Five-minute penalty to Chicago, a game misconduct, and then Manson having words with Stephen. And now, Butcher gets into it. We're going to have a brawl, folks. Stand by. Hey, what's up, everyone? It's Tyler Cash with Fourth Line Goon Hockey Podcast. It's been a few weeks. The season has started, and uh, we're here to talk hockey. Uh, what's going on, Tommy? How are you doing today? Uh, doing all right. Got a claw in hand, ice cold per usual, and uh, here to yeah catch up on the season and uh, keep this Blues game going on in the background right now against the Avalanche. Yeah, I want to start off by apologizing by our lack of uh, – podcast lately we have been just kind of uh soaking in the nhl season so far there's been a lot going on fall's always a busy time uh for me in general i'm a dj so like i've been spending a lot of my time djing wedding season and uh and uh just trying to soak in the hockey season which has started off a lot differently than both of us imagined wouldn't you say uh yeah i mean i wouldn't necessarily say it's that crazy but i mean there's always things that you're like how the hell is that happening or wow this team's really fucking up so far or this team's why the fuck are they doing so good but other than that i mean it's not nothing too wild i feel like well it's early it is definitely early but i will say that there are some upsets as far as you know expectations um from some of these rookies and some of these teams that showed promise because they made a lot of moves in the offseason uh, which is what we're going to talk about a lot for this episode is we're really going to hone in on uh, just the predictions that we made. Uh, if you listen to the last episode or two, we were really focusing on our expectations for teams uh, this coming season, whether or not they'll make playoffs. And obviously here we are. I mean, it's it's October. We still have shitloads of hockey left. But with that being said, I mean, there are some teams that are just not you know, making connections like they should or some that are starting off rocky. Every point counts, baby. Exactly. I mean, y- you could get down to the the wire and, you know, like what was that? Was that not last season? But yeah, not last season, but the season before that, the Avalanche and the Blues like down to that last game. And if the Blues yep. just had that one extra point, they would have advanced into the playoffs. I mean, and who would have known what happened? You know, uh, I, I still, I still take full responsibility for the Blues losing that game because when it went scoreless into, uh, into the into the first intermission, I'm just sitting there in my seat chanting overtime. I don't care who wins overtime because if we got a point, we made it. But then, yeah, we got our asses handed to us. Exactly, exactly. And we are watching the the Blues and Avalanche live right now. It's about eleven minutes left in the third. And right before we started recording this podcast, I actually brought up that the Avalanche are a scary team uh, when when the game's on the line. Like they do, they definitely make like a last minute push. Um, the fact that they made that that wild card spot shows that a couple of years ago. They, I mean, they're just a, a very unpredictable team, like with a lot of talent up front. Uh, but right now, the Blues are winning three to one. Obviously, the shots are in their favor. We don't have Jake Allen in net, thank God. Uh, and, uh, yeah, so, I mean, I'm feeling pretty confident, but you never know. There's still, still 10 minutes, 10 minutes left here in the third. I'll be fine. Don't worry too much. (laughs) I try not to. All right. So like, uh, let's go ahead and, uh, let's talk about some news before we get into our, our topic of choice, which, like I said, we're going to really focus in on, on how the, the season has started. And then we got some questions we're going to answer for you guys. But, uh, yeah, let's go ahead and uh, why don't you take us into some of the news that we've had over the past couple of weeks. 
Yeah, so we'll start. We'll start. Not tart. Fuck me. We'll start <laughs> with uh, a couple of news from the uh, Zona Born guy over here, Arizona Coyotes. Uh, Nicholas Helmerson. He got, I believe, a slap shot was to his fibula, broke it. So probably one of their top four guys there in Arizona out for three weeks. So early, but it's looking like the injury bug. This might be striking early and often again for uh, for the Yotes, which was a big reason why they uh, didn't make playoffs last year. Now, what exactly is a fibula? <laughs> it's a bone in your leg, dude. Well, you I know it's tib- in your leg, you asshole. But like, where at in your leg? Obviously, it's a big deal. Is it like a There's, kneecap? Like you, you you know how many legs are in your bone? Or wow, <laughs> fuck me, dude. You know how many bones are in your leg, right? Well, I mean, yeah, but I mean, I'm just saying like, well, not off the top of my fucking head. I'm not a scientist, but like, I'm just saying what, what the, where's the fibula at? Is it a kneecap? You have, you have two bones in your legs, two, two, you have a fibula and a tibula and they're basically right next to each other. Like the, the, the tibula, the, the tibia, I believe not the tibula, the tibia, I believe is more like front facing where the fibula is more kind of like on the side towards the back. So my assumption is he probably tried to block the slap shot from what I saw. And like he turns his leg, which is like human nature, and it hits that side of his leg, or there's probably little to no patty right where that bone is, and it just breaks. So they're going to separate. You're saying that it's separated from like your ankle or your kneecap? Those bones I mean, it, it, your leg? it's it's attached. I mean, no, not like your leg leg. I mean, that's like your ankle. You have your foot. You have your ankle. You have your thigh. I mean, you could, you know what I mean? Like, that's your leg. Yeah. Well, either way, it's not good. And the dude's out for three months. So clearly that was pretty massive. I know that that was what that was against the avalanche. And he took it in the first period. Um, So, yeah, I mean, that sucks for them, especially they've they're a team that's off to a good start. Um, And, you know, I mean, I guess it's better to take that kind of hit on your roster now as opposed to later in the season, because, I mean, there is still hope right that he could return to the roster before the end of the season i mean three months i mean he'll be back you know end of january early february most likely that'd be my guess and as the blues proved last season you could be i mean they could be struggling without him and he comes back and you know it's plenty of hockey in january yeah, but I mean, they, they have a solid, uh, I mean, they had a solid 5D men there. I mean, they still have Alvar Ekman-Larsen, still have Alex Golgoski, who's getting up there a bit. Jacob Chitrin, who was a young guy who really broken out last year, last couple of years, actually. And then Jason Demirs, uh they're solid guys. I mean, they can, they can work the top four, but I would argue one of them probably on a bottom pairing uh, defensive pairing is probably best for him. But uh, again, if Kessel can you know start scoring some more points the way he has, the way he has been the last couple of games i think they'll be okay thank you and i'm glad i'm glad you brought that up before moving on because i was gonna i was gonna stop you and be like look we need to talk about phil kessel because <laughs> i drafted his ass very early on in fantasy and he's done jack shit for me and the coyotes and that is not at all and that kind of coincides with what we we're talking about for the episode that is not at all what I was expecting, you know, I thought a change of scenery would be good for him. I mean, he did what he scored two goals and had an assist. I believe the last game that they had, but I mean, something like that. Yeah. I hope that he warms up because I expect big things from, uh, from big Phil. Yeah. And I mean, you also got to consider, I mean, the guy spent 
the last four years playing in Pittsburgh with guys like Crosby and Malkin. I mean, the talent level, there's no question. There's a drop-off. Like, it is what it is. So, I mean, there's an adjustment period there, and you also got to factor in the chemistry and whatnot. So, I mean, he'll, he'll come around. There's no question he'll produce. It's just, I mean, maybe the first year it may not necessarily be what people are used to seeing from him, which is generally close to or almost a point-per-game player. But we'll see how it shakes out. They're only 70 games into the season over there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but and, I was yeah. going to mention, too, yeah, with Phil Kessel, uh, happy for him, but also really upset. Um, he got his thousandth NHL, I believe, regular season game uh, a few games back. So, you know, how they do the whole ceremony on the ice, give a guy like, you know, a silver stick commemorating it. You know, GM comes down, all that fun stuff, which is cool. His parents show up. You know, it's, it's a nice little ceremony. But I'm just like, how how big of a PR miss was it for them to not like have this silver stick, quote unquote, in a box, but then have them open up the box and it just be like giant fucking hot dog? <laughs> be like it's your thousandth game. Here you go. Well, you I know, think it would have been gold. I mean, yeah, but apparently he's not like uh, entertained by it. You know, like apparently <laughs> the hot dog thing isn't even his forte. They were talking about that on Spit and Chicklets. Where yeah, he's I, I more heard of like a that. burger guy or something. But I mean, that doesn't make any sense. Then why, when he had the cup, why was the hot dog, uh, you know, his choice? <laughs> he went with he went with the joke. And that's exactly my point. It's he'll run with it. He'll have a good time with it. It might not be his thing, but like, if that's the case, like that would have been the most epic thing you could have possibly done. I feel like is that is that not where the joke started? Is there a joke before that? Like where I he's hot dogging in? I mean, I believe it started in Toronto somewhere, but I oh. don't remember the specifics. Jesus. You know, yeah. like, what would you, I mean, we, we don't have to spend too much time on this, but just off the top of your head, what if you were a player and you got the cup for a day, what are you putting in the cup? What are you, what are you going to do? Honestly, it's going to be probably one of two things. It's either going to be a shit ton of Pappy's ribs or it's going to be a shit ton of uh, sugar fire mac and cheese. For those that don't know, those are probably arguably the one and two best barbecue spots in St. Louis by far, at least in my opinion. Okay. Yeah, yeah I can see that. You know, I'm, I, without even, I don't even put much thought into it. I'm going to tell you right now, I'm feeling that motherfucker with ranch dressing like <laughs> literally with ranch dressing from denny's like some watered down the fuck? shit ranch and then i'm dipping i'm dipping uh emo's pizza in it that's what i'm doing uh, or that, it, that white that white trash lifestyle is getting to you huh? <laughs> <laughs> some ranch dressing some wings and pizza i don't i don't need much but yeah 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 that's what i'm going for um I- yeah. Okay. Well, we're all, well, while we're on it for a second, okay, that's food. But drink of choice, I'm doing white claws all day. I don't give a fuck what anyone thinks. White claws are going in there. You're the only person I know that's like hung on to the whole fad. Like I, I, dude, I was about it really hard for you know, as you know, like a month or two. But then, man, dude, I can't, I can't handle the hangovers. They fuck me up. It's a Southern California thing, dude. It's always warm here, right by the beach, easy to drink. Yeah. I'm but anyway. I'm gonna go yeah. vodka white monster. Not even vodka red. Yeah, Bull. that's your that's your go to drink. That's my go to drink. That's what I would go for. If if not that, then like some sort of like stout or porter, like some dark beer. Uh, yeah, that's what I would go for. The the opposite of what you're going for. But I mean, uh, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't object to some claw in there for sure. I mean, that's that's an acceptable answer as well. 
Fair. Okay. Well, moving on a little bit. I mean, we're on the topic of the cup. Blues won the cup. Um, you know, we all know that happened. The Blues, you know, a few days ago or about a week ago or so, uh, found themselves there at the White House, which uh, also was obviously, you know, it, it's the standard thing you do. You want a pro championship. You go, you go to the White House at some point the following year. Um, obviously, you know, politics aside, whatever the case may have you, a lot of controversy between people if they actually, you know, are for them going to see President Trump or not and blah, blah, blah. But I think what was interesting most to me was how the whole team went. Granted, you know, the Blues aren't a heavy American team. They have a handful of American guys on their roster at the time. And even then, I think, what, Maroon wasn't there, for obviously, because he's in Tampa, who's American, and uh, maybe one other dude I can't think of. But, yeah. I mean, the fact that the whole team went and, you know, just, just did it in an apolitical manner is, is exactly how it should have been done, I feel like. They handled it so well, honestly. Yeah. And you know what? Our fans handled it well, too, because posting about anything political these days, like, you got, you know, people up in arms left and right, just, you know, literally left and right, screaming at each other. And, and, and it, it's always shitty. But, you know, it. It, you don't get that kind of opportunity every day. And I thought it was cool that right. guys uh, addressed that. They said, dude, this is, this is a historical thing. This is a big, big deal. And, and we're going to, we're going to take it with stride and honor. And I thought that was rad. But can we talk about that really sucks. The fact that Maroon couldn't be there for that. He obviously wasn't there for the banner raising. That sucks. That's part of the business. I mean, that's how it's always been done. I mean, it, it, it is what it is. I mean, you don't take anything away from it. Yeah, it sucks that you're not there for it, you know, but at the end of the day, I mean, what do you want? What do you want the guy to do? Leave training camp for two days to go have some drinks with his old teammates and then come back, you know, right next day it's a preseason game or something or. Oh, yeah, I do. Whatever. Yes, I do. <laughs> uh, but I get it. I mean, if it's just different because he's a hometown boy. Right. And like everybody, he's a big favorite. Like, honestly, uh, everyone in St. Louis seems to to grasp onto these fourth line, you know, blue collar, hardworking guys. Um, and I haven't seen really an attachment to a player like Maroon since Revo left. And so, yeah, I mean, it stings a little bit, I think. And I'm sure it bothered him a little bit to not be there with his boys for that moment or, or Edmondson. Right. I mean, Edmondson didn't get to have anything to do with that as well. Uh, I know that someone mentioned, uh, you know how awkward it might have been for Falk, who joined the team. He's the only addition to the team. Uh, right. and he had to be there for the banner raising, uh, and he's just kind of like, "Yeah, I mean, yeah, cool, right off, on, by, off by himself." Yeah, that's kind of yeah. awkward. Good work, good work there, fellas. You know, but had nothing to do with it. Um, exactly. But yeah, they handled it well, man. I I thought the uh, the whole White House thing was, dude, every bit of as amazing as I wanted it to be. Uh, totally had some SNL skit moments. Uh, you know, with, um, you know, Trump pulling Steen up on the podium and, you know, po pointing out that he's missing half his teeth. That was great. That was awesome. Um, yeah, I mean, the boys, they did it respectfully. And like you said, politics aside, it's, it's not an experience that everyone gets to have. And, you know, they did a good yeah. job of it. Exactly. That's exactly how it should have been done. And that's that. So... Anyways, yeah, I think that's probably going to be the last really, you know, note as far as, you know, Blues won the cup. That's like the last really official thing, I guess you could maybe say 
you know, when Pat Maroon comes back for his one game this year, that, that's going to be mentioned, obviously. But, uh, I mean, as far as, you know, on national scale, that that's definitely probably the last last national news note about it they you're going to have until the playoffs, maybe. We do have some more news, and this is not NHL-related. The Long Island Gulls, uh, which is a youth hockey team, uh, so they're around, from what I understand, it's 14-plus, so somewhere 14, 15, 16 years old. These guys are, like, making strides to potentially one day, you know, be in the AHL, NHL, and there was a big uh, uh, scandal that happened. We can call it a hashtag shitgate. Um from what I understand, uh, a couple of the players took a shit and uh, and piss in the opposing team's hockey bags in their locker room. And uh, I man, I don't know what exactly happened, but they I mean, I wasn't there, obviously. But from what my understanding, what the whole team, the whole team <laughs> was punished. Ten other players were suspended for the entire season for, the, for doing it. So ten of them shit and pissed and they're opposing teams bags. But the interesting part is there's apparently six sets of parents. So I'm assuming all six sets of those parents are probably six of their kids who got, you know, suspended. Uh, apparently they encouraged them to do this to the team and they needed to quote, make a statement about who they're dealing with. And then another interesting part is the coach of that same team just got back in the league after serving a two-year suspension for assaulting an official. Oh, shit. There's a lot of shit going on with this team, dude. That's just class. That's entertainment. That sounds like some shit, like, out of, like, Letterkenny or, like, some, like, some fucking Netflix comedy. That's, that's, that's wild. Um, wow. That's, I did not know that. And I know, but I know both coaches were penalized for, uh, not keeping a, a closer eye on, um, their players. And here's the thing. I've heard of some shit and growing up playing hockey fights happen outside of the rink, you know, pranks are made. Uh, I have never heard of, uh, being, you know, in a scenario where you shit in an opposing <laughs> fuck. It's funny, but it's not like, I get why it, it, it puts a, <laughs> a stain, uh, pun intended, uh, on um, these uh, players and, you know, their futures, because these are these are like, yeah. I mean, I know this sounds crazy, but 14 years old is like not that far from the NHL these days, you know, like that's like yeah, borderline. Right. Like in and these guys are like could be potentially three years away from being, you know, in the big show. Uh, and somebody brought up a good point. It sucks for the guys that had nothing to do with it which I'm going to tell you right now as a guy that's been in, in many locker rooms and many teams, they all had something to do with it. Re- rest assured, they all knew about it. Let's not kid ourselves. But um, it kind of hurts, you know, the reputation of some of these guys that might have potential futures in the NHL. Um, yep. But, yeah, uh, so you're saying the whole team wasn't penalized, just 10 of the players, so they're, they're still, still playing. So I believe, yeah, 10 of the players were suspended. Um, and then the coaches on both sides, interestingly enough, I think as you said, because they didn't, weren't really attentive, what was going on, both coaches on each side got suspended for through the end of March, 2020, which I think is pretty much the whole hockey season. And both organizations were put on probation for a year, um, for, you know, stuff like this, obviously in the future. So obviously what happens in the year, they're going to have even more, you know, severe penalties and whatnot. So wild shit. Like literally. Yeah. Well, what does that? But what does that even mean? Like, where do you even get players? 
Do you draft new kids? What does that even mean? I mean, I, I don't know. Uh, uh, I'm sure. I mean, I'm sh- obviously I'm sure they have more than a team of, you know, what? 20 players, you know, four lines, three D people to uh, two goalies. So I'm sure they have, you know, players who maybe got cut or didn't make the team or who didn't, you know, tr- try it out, but, you know, weren't, you know, able to make a team anywhere. And, you know, hey, <laughs> this happened. Do you want to play some hockey this year? Yeah, exactly. I, I don't know. I don't know otherwise, especially at 14. You know, you know, going back live to this, uh, the Blues Avalanche game, we're probably going to have to. We're probably going to have to talk about this in the middle of everything because there's only a, less than two minutes left. And I just want to say, fuck you, Landeskog, for fucking up the empty netter for Prawn, which would have helped my fantasy league. So thanks a lot, pal. I appreciate that very, very, very much. Uh, I don't blame him. But anyway, all right. So that's out of the way. Um, I think the last piece of news is I'll let uh I'll let you tell it because I know you're super excited about it. Okay, well, first of all, okay, so I I'm gonna I'm just gonna give the news like the statement and then I'm gonna give my opinion on the matter. Uh, Valentin Zikoff, um, forward for the Vegas Golden Knights, was caught with some illegal substances in his blood. Sound familiar? Um, yeah, as we know, last season too uh, familiar. Yeah, uh, defenseman Nate Schmidt was caught um, with uh, also illegal substances in his blood. Uh, what performance enhancing drugs, as they say, uh, and they never disclose what it is. So everyone asking us, stop asking us. We don't know. Uh, no one knows. It's uh, they try to keep it hush hush. We just know they're not allowed to have it. Yep. Well, here's the thing, uh, Valentin Zikoff barely a fucking stain a shit stain on the Vegas Golden Knights roster the dude's like a, a often healthy scratch barely made ma- made roster out of camp uh is caught with a substance in his blood and he went on record and said it's something he's been taking for 4 plus years uh and he doesn't understand why it's illegal blah 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 uh the team says they have no idea and unlike the situation with Schmidt where the team backed him, they didn't. <laughs> they threw him right under the fucking bus. Like they literally took his fucking lifeless corpse and just threw it right under a semi. Um, and uh, rightfully so, because this is a guy that is fighting for a roster spot, uh, a name that really no one knows. He's not really contributing to the franchise. I, I don't even know if the guy put up a point this season, to be honest with you. Uh, and yeah, it, he, He's gone, and I'm going to be real with you. He's not coming back. He's not coming back. They're not going to back that. There's plenty of dudes that they could they could bring up, and uh, I know McPhee was in an interview afterwards, and he even he pretty much laid it out. He said, "You never know." They said, "Do you, do you does he have a spot when he comes back?" And he's like, "You could tell he just wanted to be like, no, like we have tons of dudes that are that are competing for these spots, young talent that deserve this that wouldn't be." You know, for the lack of better words, cheaters. And uh, yeah, the guy got caught cheating. And I mean, this is coming from a Knights fan. It's very uh, unfortunate. It's very upsetting. Uh, It doesn't look good for the team, the franchise, any of that. Yeah. I mean, the the thing that sticks out to me is the four plus years. And it's like, okay, let's think about that for a second. I mean, I pulled up a stat sheet just to make sure. And I mean, 
2018-2019, he played a total of 28 games between the Hurricanes, the Oilers, and the Knights. And then the year before that, he played 10 games with the Hurricanes. And the year before that, he played two games with the Hurricanes. So my question is, if he's been using this for the last four years, and he's been playing, and I checked too, he's been playing in the AHL as well. So he hasn't been, it's like he came over at some point during those four years prior from you know the KHL or anything. Guy's young. But if he's been taking that for four years, why is it just now getting caught? That that that's my question. So right off the bat, I don't buy that bullshit. There, there's no way in my mind that, that no. And end a story on that. That that's that's garbage. That's you come up with some story like okay, I've been taking it for this long, so then maybe people will feel sorry for me because oh wait, he's had a career for four years, but he hasn't been spending before. But why now? So there, there, there's more to it. There always is, and I mean the, the flip side of it too is yeah i mean the guy is a role player at best on any team obviously he's young i mean that can change but i mean he's role player on any team there's really nothing more to it but the flip side of it is i mean it's it's different than the nate schmidt situation for a lot of reasons i mean the guy got suspended last year before the start of the season, correct? I make it that, that that's right timeline wise, yeah. Right, right, right. Okay, okay. So then, yeah, you have a guy you get in the you get in the expansion draft. He puts up thirty six points for you, and you're like, okay, this is a potential top pairing D guy for us. And the dude's you know mid twenties. This is sweet. And all of a sudden, he has a suspension come out, and it's like, well, fuck. If we don't back the guy, he's gonna hate us. He's not going to want to play for us anymore, and we lose the top pairing D man, or we have to, you know, trade him or buy him out, or, or I guess not buy him out, terminate his contract. I guess I, I don't know how it all would work, but there's that there's that factor as well. He's not a role player; he's a top pairing D man for you guys. So I mean, you kind of have to back the guy at that point. That's like equivalent to uh, I don't know. I mean. Like Mark McGuire back in the day, I mean, it's a baseball reference, and Sammy Sosa, um, you know, the home run race they had back in 2000s where they're taking drugs that are illegal, and people all know about it in the locker room, and no one gave a shit. Like, granted, drug testing wasn't a thing back then, but it's like, it, it, it happens. It is what it is, but like, I get the whole Nate Schmidt, yeah, he had a millionth of a percentage of something in his system, whatever it was, but it's like, that's not the point. If they would have tested him a week earlier or two weeks earlier, who's to say that's not exponentially higher in a system. It comes down to when they tested them. So again, not to yeah. go back to that, but it's like the situations are separate, but at the same time you have to, it's like, imagine if, I don't know, I guess good example would be, I know we probably have blues fans who, who tend to listen to this, but imagine if something came out tomorrow where it says Vladimir Tarasenko has been banned 20 games, striking an illegal substance. You know, in your damn right mind, Every blues fan, every blues management, every blues coaching would be like, this sucks, but we're going to back the guy. But if, say, uh, I don't know, a Zach Sanford comes out and is suspended 20 games for PED use, it's going to be the exact same scenario Zikov had. Oh, this guy's a role player. What the fuck's he doing? Get rid of him. That's exactly how it is. Absolutely. And, and I get the comparison, and I'm not going to even – try to shy away from that or argue that uh and also to throw into your argument and kind of back that i mean nate schmidt has way more money than this guy does to right. defend himself 
Um, and I get that. I, I, as an, as a fan, uh, I do believe Schmidt, uh, his scenario, but I, I think the main thing though, is to kind of say, you never know what you're putting into your body. Right. You know, like, especially in Vegas, you know, like these guys are off the strip on the strip, they're partying, they're, they're, they're eating, they're consuming anything. I mean, there's really no telling. And, and I hope that this is like a wake up call for the entire organization and they, they watch closely. I don't know if I were okay at this point, if I were McPhee or if I'm a higher up with the Vegas golden Knights, I would just be doing drug tests on my own. You know, like why aren't teams doing that? Like, cause I, I know I, I heard somewhere that they only drug test randomly like twice a year in the NHL. So I don't know if that means Zekov somehow slipped through that. Um, I, I, I don't know. I, to be honest with you, I'm not as well educated on the drug testing situation uh, for the NHL or, or anything for that matter. But um, yeah, if, if I were McPhee, Gallant, what, who, whoever is in charge of this, I'd be testing my players constantly. Well, I mean, it makes sense. It does. But because I mean, you don't want your guys going out for a night on the strip, fucking doing a bunch of blow cut with whatever. I mean, I don't, I don't know how that fucking works. I mean, they were even saying with, uh, you know, Schmidt, they were saying that the like protein shakes could have traces of whatever the deal is. I mean, we'll never know the real story, you know, and, right. and biased or not, we're, we're really, we're really not going to know what happened, but I will say, and we can tell, and it will go down history that the Vegas golden Knights as an organization, as a hockey team, as whatever you want to call it, they backed Nate Schmidt. They threw Valentin Zekoff under the bus. That dude's not coming back. Yep. Uh, I'd, I'd be surprised if he ever found a spot in the NHL, not even because of the scandal, but because he's just a subpar hockey player. Um, really don't know why he was even on the lineup to begin with. He was actually pushing players out that I'm a big fan of, like, um, Cody glass and, and Brandon Peary, these guys that are, are, are capable of putting up numbers, especially in the AHL. Uh, they even got rid of Daniel Carr. Uh, they got rid of, um, Oscar Lindbergh. I don't know, man, the guy, the NHL is big time. Uh, it is a, Big, big deal to make a roster in the NHL uh, and to just piss it away ignorantly by taking performance enhancing drugs. And he said and he said knowingly he he knowingly took them, didn't know that it was a big deal. Um, yeah, I, I'm sorry, man. No, no sympathy there. Uh, and it sucks. It looks bad for Schmidt. It looks bad for the Knights. But uh, yeah, I mean. I hope they're able to bounce back from this. I, I don't think it's going to really be something we remember years from now, just because, I mean, who is the guy? Right? Yeah, I, I agree with that. I mean, it's just funny. The last two ones have come from Vegas. And like you said, hopefully it's a wake up call for them. That's all I can really say for several years. Right. Like it, the, the only two punishments to come for performance enhancing drugs in like five years could be yeah. something like that from the night. So, Looks bad. But yeah, moving on. Let's get let's, we got some more news. Let's do this. Yeah. So, I mean, news wise, I think we're, we're almost caught up. I mean, I think the last thing to mention that happened relatively recently was uh, Jason, uh, Jason Zucker on the wild, who we all know the wild are a dumpster fire and rightfully so constantly signing aging veterans to big contracts, long contracts, and just somehow expecting to sign more of them to, to fix their problem. 
Uh, anyway, yeah, they're two and six, I believe, before their their eighth game. I believe Jason Zucker basically said, you know, the wild, the team needs to be better and Bruce Boudreaux needs to be better. So like in the media, he flat out called out his teammates, called out his coach. And that's something you don't see ever, ever. Like maybe, maybe like one teammate, maybe, but to call out the whole team and then to call out your coach on top of that, that that's, that's problematic, especially, I don't even think he's producing much this year either so far, but yeah, I mean, that, that's red flags that, I mean, the team probably isn't behind the coach. I mean, Bruce Boudreaux is, you know, tends to historically come up short. There's no question about it through playoffs or regular season, whatever it may be. And yeah, I mean, I think Jason Zucker is their young, really quote unquote star that they have there. And, you know, he has four points in eight games. So he's, I mean, not anything special. So anyway, is he wrong though? I mean, that's the thing though. Like the Minnesota wild are hot garbage. Yeah. I mean, there's no joke that they're, they're old. They're slow. Like, I mean, there's some problems there. And uh, how long has that coach been there? I mean, I, I, I don't know. Much- Ever since the Ducks fired him. Okay, so it's like usually usually the coach is the first to blame. And, I mean, I know that that, that sounds lame to say that, but that's just reality. Um, I mean, look what it did for the Blues. Um, you, you fire Hitch because you hear that, players don't want to play for him and, and, and they're just not really giving their all. And and then you, you bring in Yao and everyone gets hyped, but then he doesn't really do anything and he's shaped like a penis. And then, you know, and then uh, you get rid of him and you bring in this fucking, you know, Baruby who's, who, who has something to prove and a, a message to bring. And, you know, and he, he brings this team together yep. that was once a divided locker room. I mean, there's a lot to be said about coaching and, you know, growing up and playing hockey, I know the coaches that pissed me off. I I know them. And you know what? They all had something in common. They won. They were winning coaches. And they were annoying to play for. They were annoying to play against. But they were championship winning coaches. And so, yeah, I mean, maybe there is something to be said there. Um, You know, I don't – he's not really producing much. But, I mean, neither is his his team. Uh, And – so yeah, I mean, I feel bad. It's a hard time to be a Minnesota Wild fan uh, in general. But I'm man, yeah, that it's like, yeah, to call out your coach, call out your teammates. It's kind of weak. But I mean, I don't know, man. The guy might be onto something. To be honest with you, yeah. And I mean, for the record, he did come out and apologize, and you know, basically say his Bruce Boudreaux doesn't deserve to be in that. What he said is mainly about the players. I mean, ninety nine percent of the way that they're performing is on the players and not the coach. I mean, you kind of have to go out and say that, obviously, right? So. Anyway, that'll be that'll be interesting to see how uh, that plays out. If they continue to struggle, if Boudreaux goes, if something else happens, who knows? But that's something to definitely, definitely keep an eye on. So, um, yeah, I think moving on from there, I think I mean that pretty much catches everything up on news. I think the only other sort of tidbit of information um, player wise would be, I guess, the Florida Panthers. They signed. Uh, Brian Boyle to I believe is like a nine hundred and sixty thousand or nine hundred twenty thousand uh, dollar contract for the rest of the year, um, so that's kind of a nice power forward addition for them down there and uh, down there in Florida. I love how they're experimenting and they they're basically taking the whole rebuild thing 
the way every team should because so many teams say they're rebuilding and then eventually just kind of I don't know bail out or 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 start to get a little bit of success and then they like veer towards like winning that season yep. and I think I think the Panthers are acknowledging that they're not a contender they may be like a playoff team potentially um but they're they're realizing that now is the time to explore options, sign some players, see what they can't build for the future. I I mean, Boyle is kind of whatever. I mean, at that price, I think it's a good deal. I mean, it's it's very comparable to the Lightning deciding to bring on Pat Maroon for basically league minimum. You know, it's like this guy is a veteran. He's been playing for a while and he, you know, might be able to produce. He might not. But either way, we know that he has in the past. So it's not a complete roll of the dice, kind of like a, you know, a rookie might be or somebody that's coming from overseas, you know, like a, it's not a complete gamble because he, they've been there before, but it's also, I guess it is kind of, but I mean, not at that price, right? Yeah, I'd agree with it. I mean, if you have injuries, he's a guy who could play up and down the lineup. I mean, obviously he's gonna, you know, he's been there. He's... I think he's had like over a hundred games played in the playoffs. So, I mean, he's got playoff experience, which that team desperately, desperately needs also um, if they, if they do end up making it. So solid signing. I mean, you can't really complain about it. So um, yeah, I think moving on from there, I think one other piece really of, uh, I guess two small tidbits, I guess that are left. I guess one's a little bigger than the other, but I guess one thing that's definitely uh, probably, Shock to the world would be the Edmonton Oilers. Um, why the fuck are they as good as they are right now, Tyler? James fucking real deal. No longer the great value. No longer the buy one, get one. No longer the, you know, save yourself some money with a coupon deal. We got James Neal, the real fucking deal. Uh, change the scenery as we all I think you agreed with me I called it in the beginning of the season I said yo change the scenery is gonna be great for him he's gonna put up big numbers but shit what is it nine goals now I mean I I didn't see that coming nine goals nine games that's insane and then one assist so he's averaging over a point a game a point a game he put up what four goals one game uh six goals in like the first three which is Edmonton Oilers like that's like a record for their team, like beating out Wayne Gretzky and shit. Like, I mean, no big deal. I mean, we're not, we're not giving this guy, uh, you know, the MVP award just yet, but I mean, fuck what a start for James Neal. Yeah, I, I would, I would completely agree with that. I mean, yeah, he's already scored more, more goals than he has last season. I believe I think what he had seven last year in 63 games and, Nine games and nine goals. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, he's on McDavid's line. I mean, you're going to score goals. There's no question about it. But, I mean, yeah, I mean, I don't think anybody expected him to be at this at this pace or, you know, place that he's at right now. So, props to him. And, I mean, yeah, the Oilers are fucking killing it. I mean, they're 7-1-1. Seven, seven, one and one. So, 15 points. They're atop the Western Conference, I think, tied for the league lead in points right now. But, again, as we said, it's early. So, maybe – uh. Things slow down there, and the Oilers go back to their old Edmonton ways. But we will see, indeed. So, I think, yeah, that I mean, what is it? Is it Neil Drysidle and McDavid? Is that their top line over there? I believe so. Yeah, it's definitely at least their power play. 
Uh, and I mean, that's, I mean, that's, as you said, it's hard to not put up points. I could put up points uh, on a line with McDavid. Um, that was the best year that Pat Maroon had uh, was being on a line with him. So, yeah, I mean, as you said, if you play with elite players, you're going to put up elite points. But, you know, I'm happy for him. Um, you know, he he did big things for that first year for the inaugural season for the Knights. I'll always uh, respect him for that. Um, we do have a few more things to talk about, though, before we get into the topic. And, and we're already 40 minutes in, so we won't spend too much time on it. But um, what Brian Boyle or we already talked about Brian Boyle. So the, I guess the last thing is really I just kind of want to throw in this whole Kachuk and Dowdy um, feud that's been going on. Um, and if you haven't seen yet, we do have a video on our Facebook page. I highly recommend you checking it out because you see two players just fucking linebacker, like fucking jump, like literally get air into each other. Just a scrum. Like I don't even like I haven't even I don't think I've seen anything like that in the league in years. Have you? It's been a minute for sure. And it's I'm all for that. Um, And it's kind of built this little rivalry i guess between uh calgary and los angeles and uh i mean i i'm not a fan of either team so i could really care less so it's like watching two drunk frat boys like fight it out at a bar and you just don't give a fuck who wins you're just like wow like i hope blood is shed like i hope someone punches someone in the fucking face because at the end of the day i don't care so uh I mean, I guess I'm more of a Kachuk fan than a Dowdy fan, but it's just cool to see those guys hack and chirp at each other and, and just kind of bring some bad blood to the league. Yeah, I, uh, I agree with that. So, um, I mean, yeah, I, I, what I what I like about uh, what I think I like most about the whole situation there is Kachuk, he has his sort of makeup and mentality of his dad where it's like, if you're going to do something, you're going to do it and back it up. So like, he'll talk shit, he'll chirp, but like he'll go and he'll, he'll, he'll hit you hard. He'll, he'll give you a slash. He'll, you know, potentially drop gloves, things like that, which I think is great. I mean, and, and Dowdy, you know, just doesn't like him for it. And, and rightfully so, I feel like, so I, I think it's fun. I mean, obviously we'd love to see more of it, but the way the NHL is going kind of, kind of unlikely. Let's move on to the topic of this episode, which is basically just a recap of what we've witnessed so far uh, comparatively to our predictions. Um, And we're going to talk about teams to be concerned about is the main thing. Not ones that we think are going to flourish, but four teams that we truthfully believe might be an issue at hand for this season. Uh, and I'll let you kick it off. Yeah, so let's start with who should we start with? Let's start with the Lightning. So obviously, you know, they had their whole choke fest in the first round of the playoffs against the Columbus Blue Jackets. But I mean, start the season eight games in, they're basically four and four, four, three and one. Um, you know, nine points there, you know, at this moment in time, sitting out of a playoff spot again, way too early to really talk about that, but you know, fifth and fifth in, uh, the Atlantic. So yeah, I mean, they're, they haven't really haven't started off amazing, but they are just been okay, I guess is, is, is really the, the, the best way to put it. Um, and, and, and yeah, I mean, that, that's really all you can say. I mean, 
the Stamkos is, you know, nine points, I believe, in eight games. He's up there. Um, interesting part is the goaltending hasn't been there. Vasilevsky is averaging over three goals against and a save percentage just under uh, 90%. So that might be a little concerning. Yeah. And you know what? Not to toot my own horn, but Hong Kong. I said this, I believe, in our uh, our predictions. I said that the Lightning, their whole uh, window was closed. You know, I mean, I did say that adding Maroon, I thought was kind of interesting. Uh, they're a great team, and and to be honest with you, I kind of feel like falling apart early. And I, I mean, falling apart is kind of harsh, but uh, you know, not underperforming. Let's say underperforming early is good for them. Because, I mean, it's better to underperform early than towards the end of the year. Because we did see, um, you know, both the Lightning uh, and the Knights were both, like, hot, you know, in the middle of the season. And then just kind of cooled off towards the end. And, uh, I mean, that's hard to bounce back from. You know, you really need to... I'm I'm not saying you need to give it your all, like, 120% towards the end. But you definitely got to be prepared for playoff hockey. Because that's, like, a different... Different monster altogether. I I would agree with that 100%. Those people out there that say that playoff hockey is is no different are just idiots, in my my opinion, because you're really gunning. Like, you, 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 at that point, you know that you have a chance. You have a chance at one of the, the most difficult to obtain trophies in all of sports history. Uh, and I, I feel like it gets aggressive. It gets, you know, personal. You know, it, the the rivalries really start to to brew. Uh, so, yeah, I think it's a different monster. And uh, I was actually talking to a guy. Um, it was a now keep in mind, this isn't like an inside source or anything. So it could be completely full of shit. But he was this bartender um, when I was on a vacation a couple weeks ago in uh, Gatlinburg, Tennessee. And um, he brought up something. We were talking hockey. And he said he was a Lightning fan, and we talked about our our, our common hatred for uh, the Nashville Predators. Sorry, guys. Uh, and um, he brought up that something about one of the players on the Lightning rented a private island once they clenched like their their uh, their playoff spot, and that he feels like they celebrated early, and that they were either hungover or just like thought they had everything within grasp when they went into the playoffs. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, I don't know how much of that is fact, but I mean, it, it definitely looked that way and they're off to a slow start now here. This oh, year. Yeah. That's, that's always the, the frustrating thing is, I mean, whether that's true or not, it's you know the president's trophy in the last 10, 15 games of the season. It just becomes, you're not focused. And I mean, I don't blame them. I mean, you're out there banging bodies, you know, checking people, blocking shots and whatnot and skating, trying to give it your all to, to be in the game where it's like, well, we don't really have to. And then I think we talked about it too. And then when they did get swept, I mean, it's sort of flipping that switch again and you're sort of hoping you can flip that switch back on and then to find out shit, you know, we're down two games. We haven't gotten to yet. And then all of a sudden you're down three games and you still haven't gotten it yet. And then the fourth game, it's not really switched back on. It's just mainly pure desperation to try and, you know, eke out something. And then you don't. And now you're golfing early in April. So, yeah, I mean, I definitely has a lot to do to it also. I mean, pretty much the same roster coming back there also. So it's, it'll be interesting to see that play that. Ultimately, I mean, at the end of the day, 
I see it very, very, very difficult for them not making the playoffs with, with the roster that they have. Like, they'll make playoffs, but I just don't know where that's going to be, whether that's wild card or not. I agree. I agree. Uh, out of the four teams that we're going to talk about that we think might be a concern, uh, they're the least of my worries. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I think they'll turn it on enough to make a playoff spot, and maybe them uh, starting out cold might be a benefit to the team as a you know as a whole um moving on uh you know what Let, let's not be around the bush let's talk about the blues let's talk about the blues here where where are we at with where they've started their season yeah so i mean clearly there's a hangover there i mean before the blues you know relatively easily beat the uh the avalanche tonight i mean they were basically you know three and five three two and three they lost four straight they were in a tailspin. Jake Allen's giving up soft goals again. Shocker alert. Um, they just haven't looked great. And, I mean, you know, starting off the season, they, they look solid. I mean, you start the year, you go overtime against the Capitals. You win three straight. You beat, you know, beating the Maple Leafs in, in Toronto with the roster that they have and the firepower they have. You know, it's like, okay, things are looking good. And then you go drop goose egg to the Canadian, or not goose egg, but I mean, you drop, drop a game to the Canadians, you know, let up six goals, lose a tough game to the Islanders, you have a two-goal lead, lose another tough game to the Canucks where you have a two-goal lead, and then get blown out at home with the whole Jake Allen fiasco against Canadians. So wasn't looking good. And then I guess uh, the Blues players had a – basically team only players only meeting no coaches um on sunday just basically saying you know what we're giving isn't good enough we need to give more and we're gonna and let's figure this out so obviously whatever they said you know it, it got to everybody they definitely played their asses off i mean the avalanche didn't look like a team that hadn't lost in regulation that's for damn sure um they just looked like any other team. I mean, to help to hold the Colorado Avalanche to 18 shots, granted, mind you, uh, Ronson got hurt, I believe, in the first period. I think he tweaked his knee, so that's something to look out on to see how bad that is. Um, yeah, I thought they looked a hell of a lot better tonight, and then you assume on Thursday when they play the Kings at home with the dumpster fire of that team, you should get a win there and things should start looking a bit better. So Yeah, don't count your chickens before they hatch, you know what I'm saying? Like cuz the the Blues as you know and as I know, um are a team that can perform very well against teams that they shouldn't and then underperform in scenarios like severely underperform against teams that they should dominate. Yeah. Uh and and right now the Kings are are definitely out there trying to prove something. They don't want to be the team that they were last year. Um, I mean, they, they look like a, like you said, a dumpster fire, but b before we move on any further, I just want to say you, you fucked up and you called it a deuce egg and that needs to be a thing. Did I say deuce egg? Dude, it's been a long, it's been a long weekend. Yeah, dude, that's amazing. A deuce egg. It's like a shit egg. <laughs> We're talking about kids shitting in bags. So, you know, <laughs> deuce egg. I love it. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't think that the blues are something to worry about. Uh, I think the fact that they've gone to overtime as many times as they have uh, says a lot. Uh, defense is a problem. Um, it really is, which is weird because he brought on Falk and you thought, wow, this is just going to be a shutdown defense, especially since he's in the third pair. It's like, wow, like, I mean, they're just going to be, you know, unstoppable and, and they really haven't. And these goals that Bennington has let up aren't soft. You know, I mean, they're weird bounces 
or unfortunate, you know, fucking breaks that like he shouldn't even have to face against if you have, you know, some solid D and yeah, uh, man, I, I think they look, they look tired. Like you said, a little bit of a hangover, uh, it's not November yet. And I always hear that if there's a hangover in November, then you can start freaking out. Um, they have a lot on their plates. They went to the white house. They celebrated all, all summer long. This is the shortest, um, you know, post or off whatever season. you want to call it, the shortest summer off season. Yeah. Like break that the blues have ever had in the history of the franchise. Um, yeah, I, I I'm not going to say to not be worried, but they are, uh, they're definitely not a concern at this point. I, I still see them being a playoff team. Uh, Tarasenko needs to wake the fuck up. Uh, Shen should not be, uh, just schooling him the way he is. And I mean, I'm a big Shen fan. Um, and I'm, I'm stoked that he he's having so far the season that he is, especially after signing that big paycheck, because usually you hear players fall off after they get security. Um, if Tarasenko wakes up, I think they look good. Uh, Jake Allen. God damn, man. Like how, how much longer do we have to in, in, endure that? Like how, how much longer do we have to do? Uh, I believe we have him for this year, next year. So yeah, but to your point, and I think a lot of people overlook it and don't really think much of it because the Blues won the cup, obviously. Uh, Tarasenko had off-season uh, knee surgery. It was granted; it was minor. Um, you know, it was supposed to be re-evaluated four weeks from when it happened in late June. But I mean, knee surgery doesn't help, obviously. Um, you know, that takes some time. But I believe also there was something where Baruby said in a post-game presser or during a morning skate or something where Tarasenko was actually sick for the first couple games of the season. So that obviously has a lot to do with this play. I mean, tonight he had three points. He had two assists and a goal. He's play, had a point in every single game. So he's 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 a non-issue in my opinion. But Fair enough. Fair enough. And, and you know, before we move on from the Blues, I want to, like, just kind of point at our notes. You mentioned something about Baruby being removed. That was the joke I was making about the uh, the players only meeting they had at the at the morning skate they had on Sunday. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. okay, okay. I saw that. And I was like, "What the <laughs> fuck did he do? Jesus Christ! The guy won a cup, like you know, like making league minimum. I'm sure. I'm sure he was making next to nothing. But yeah, uh, it's early for them. I'm not too concerned. Um, I will tell you a team I am concerned about, and that is the San Jose Sharks. I will remove my hatred. I will remove my bias just to talk about this for the sake of our listeners. Uh, they look bad, and I think that they're being exposed for their true um, weaknesses. And uh, where that comes from is something that you've pointed out and something that I've pointed out. First and foremost, they have the worst goaltending situation mm. in the league. Martin Jones, oh my God, dude, he's so bad. I, I'm sorry, dude. I He is... He is not a number one goalie, uh, and he doesn't really have much help backing him. Um, I, I'm not a I'm not a fan, so it's hard for me to even commend anyone in that scenario. But I think Martin Jones is garbage. I think he was horrible last postseason. I think that he really wasn't there when they needed him to be. Uh, and as you've pointed out before, though, is what I was going to give to you, and I'll let you talk about it. Is you've always talked about their defense not really being defensive minded. They're they're superstars in their own right, but 
only when it comes to putting up points, but not really defending. Them yeah, well. and I mean, to, to make a point, I mean, Martin Jones is not the worst goalie in the league right now, currently this season. Granted, he has a track record of being piss poor, but yeah, I mean, two names, and we both can unanimously agree on it, would be Jake Allen and Jonathan Quick so far. I mean, there, there's there's no question about it. So, Well, Jake Allen's not a starter, so... <laughs> Let's throw that out, but I agree with you on Quick, and um, and I and I think Jonathan Quick can find. I don't think it's done. I don't think he's done. I don't think it's like a Brian Elliott, like Halak situation. I I I think that he can find a new place and 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 maybe turn his the last couple of seasons of his career around. Um, but yeah, no, Jonathan Quick, obviously, wow, yeah, he's. Hot garbage. I don't feel like Martin Jones is far behind. You know how I feel about Jake Allen, but he un- very fortunately is no longer the starter yes. in St. Louis. Uh, and but I'm yeah, I mean, to, to get back to uh, the Sharks, I, I don't know. I, I still think they're going to be okay. And the reason that I say that is, I mean, okay in the sense of being able to write the ship again, it's early. They've made, you know, they, they've had booked, or banked, you know, at least a few points here. They're not, you know, in a horrible, horrible spot necessarily. Obviously, they're behind the ball a little bit. But, I mean, I think the thing that really goes unnoticed, I mean, I guess it's not necessarily that unnoticed, but, I mean, Evander Kane's back. He's averaging over a point per game. I believe he has six points in five games. So that's been huge for them. Obviously, and it was kind of inevitable. It was just a matter of, of a when it happened. Patrick Marlowe obviously returned to the Sharks. He's had a few points, I think three points in four games. He's played well, and I think there was even a sense where all the young Sharks players like really weren't doing anything, and I believe it was right after the uh, the first game where Marlowe had that goal and assist to come back um, it, it, at the SAP Center there in San Jose. Uh, the coach may said after the game, like, yeah, I'm taking all of our young guys and I'm putting them in a film room. And I'm showing them all film of how Patrick Marlowe played last night. And I'm basically telling them, every single one of you needs to do exactly this. And I think having that ultimate veteran presence that he has, I really don't think Thornton's that much of a leader, hence not being a captain or really, I think he's more, is he an A? If he is an A, I think it's more of an honorary thing, personally. Um, that's just my 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 two cents. Obviously, I don't know what goes in the locker room. But I think Marlowe is that sort of, quieter guy leads by example and you know does everything on the ice that he's asked and everyone's gonna follow suit with that and they'll they'll, they'll turn it around i feel they'll, they'll 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 get things going nope i'm saying it right now all right all right mr game seven settle down <laughs> i mean there's no joke i mean there's no i mean i don't like the sharks i don't i don't i don't like thornton i'm not a thornton fan uh, I, I don't like Evander Kane. I mean, I think Martin Jones is garbage. I mean, that's whatever I, I'm, but I'm telling you right now, especially with like how these other teams in the Pacific are performing, especially the ducks. I mean, that's, I mean, that's crazy as it is. They got all this young talent that's fast and quick and, and unexpected. And they got Gibson and that, I mean, I don't know, man, I wouldn't be surprised if the sharks miss the playoffs this year. And, and, and I, I think they're the worst of the teams that we're talking about today. Fair. I mean, whichever opinion is what it is, but fair. I, I it, we'll see how things play out. Obviously last on the list we have here really for concerning teams would be the, uh, the Dallas stars who yikes. 
really just <laughs> for whatever reason seem broken since the blues beat him in seven games in the second round in double overtime uh, last year. So, I mean, what they're, they're just in a, in a horrible spot. I mean, I think what they're, they played nine games and, and won what two of them, um, something stupid. No, they won. They played 10 games and won two of them. They're, they're two, seven and one have five points. They haven't won a game at home. And yeah, I mean, yeah, Corey Perry finally is back from injury. He's now, you know, out there. Um, I don't think that's going to help him that much, quite frankly. So, yeah, I guess, well, I guess to take that back, I guess the Stars did win tonight. So they are now 3-7-1, excuse me. But, um, yeah, they beat the Senators, mind you. I don't think it's, dude, I don't think they're that hopeless. When you have somebody... That is caliber of being a Vesna winner like Bishop and Net, you can pull some wins out of your ass. I don't think Corey Perry is going to be a contributing factor. I do think Pavelski is still a possibility of uh, adding a lot to this team. They were very scary. They almost beat the Blues last season, and then God knows what would have happened if that happened. Um, I don't know, man. I, I don't think they're completely hopeless. I think that they have a good chance of turning it around. Definitely more than the Sharks. Uh, I wouldn't say that they have more of a chance to turn it around than the Blues do uh, or the Lightning. So if we're going to like kind of do some sort of weird ranking for uh, hopeless teams, I would say like the Sharks are probably the most hopeless, um, followed by the Stars and then the Blues and then the Lightning. Yeah, it, it, that's, that's what I would think. That's fair. And then the the my my point to you though is, what if everybody on the stars last year, outside of their big names now, you know, Jamie Ben, Tyler Sagan, now Joe Pavelski on on offense, you know, those are their big three guys. But I mean, what if everyone overperformed? You know, you know what I'm saying? You know, to get to that point. Because, I mean, think about it this way. I mean, those are three great guys on offense. You know, Rupe Hintz, he's a fast guy. He's great. I mean, he has six goals so far in 10 games this year. You know, he might hit 30, so maybe he's the exception to that. But, I mean, outside of that, I mean, Cogliano's 32 years old. I mean, you have Alexander Radulov on the wrong side of 30 at 33 years old. He's a year older. I mean, a lot of young guys mixed in there, too. I mean, yeah, you have Haskinen, you have Essa Lindell on D, but then it's like after that, I mean, Polak got hurt. He's out a while. Are they really as good as everyone thinks they are? I, I, I'm not buying it. Even in this present day. Yeah. I, I'm not buying it. That's a, That's just my opinion. I mean, yeah, you add a, a, another aging veteran in Corey Perry. Um, you have Andre Sekera. I don't know if they added him in free agency or not off the top of my head. Um, I'm pretty sure they did. Um, another, again, aging 33-year-old defenseman. So if any year is for them to potentially, in my opinion, really win anything, it's maybe this year, which the way things are trending isn't happening. I mean, the window is small. I'm not talking about the future looking bright for the Dallas Stars. I'm just saying that as far as making playoffs go, I think they're going to make it. I don't think that they have all the pieces that they need to potentially, you know, go the whole way. I, I mean, they have elite goaltending. Uh, you know, definitely adding Pavelski helped in, as far as the sense that, like, I think that they can have 
a form of leadership that they might have been la- who, who's their captain who who is it sequin it's a uh, sequin 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 no i believe it hey let me i believe it's jamie is, J- is it jamie ben or is it is it is it is it uh sequin yeah sequin it's sequin you know it, let me let me cue sure? you in hey let me cue you in on something so no it's just jamie ben yeah it's fucking jamie okay. ben well, let me let me cue you in a little bit on this. I have a I have a weird thing with my Q's and my G's. <laughs> and <laughs> All right. My my wife has made fun of me forever because I used to, I used to spell guacamole quackamole. <laughs> like I I just or penguins I would spell it with penguins. Penguins. All yeah. Right. Like I I don't know what it is. I, I I'm mildly dyslexic I guess in that sense or whatever you would like whatever you would want to say with that. But or yeah. you're just a fucking idiot. I'm a check. I mean, well that's that's certain. But um I I don't know, man. Uh, I see them turning around. I don't not to win a cup, but I think they'll make playoffs ultimately. I think they look way better than the Sharks do. I mean, sure, but. You got to, I mean, consider the fact that how competitive the Central is. So I would say the Avalanche, the Blues, the Predators are probably taking the top three spots in the division, right? Cool. That that's that that's how I have it. And from there, you have a wild card spot. Who then you're now battling with the Oilers, the Ducks, who have had hot starts, the Knights, who we know are a solid team, the Flames, who are probably going to make the playoffs, the Canucks, who are very improved, the Coyotes, who are much improved, the Sharks, who should turn it around. You have a lot of teams to compete with, and you're already behind the eight ball by playing the most games in the Western Conference and having the second least amount of points. I don't like their chances. End of story. Fair enough. Fair enough. Okay, so let's talk about Honorable mentions before we move on to some questions that we have for this episode. We are getting a little a little uh, deep into this episode. I mean, it has been a few weeks since we chatted. Uh, but I, this is something that I want to talk about. Not so much the Rangers. Okay, so Kako's not producing like we all thought he would or that everyone thought he would. Oh, he's better than Hughes. Um, oh, Panarin's going to the Rangers. Oh, they're going to be amazing. Like... I don't think either of us said that they were going to make playoffs when we were doing our predictions. We said that they um, they were going to be improved, but they were still quite a ways away from uh, being an elite team. Uh, but I do want to talk about the Devils because you and I both chose them as the most improved team in the offseason. Uh, they added um, Subban. They added Simmons. Uh, they got Gusev. Uh, Taylor Hall is healthy. Man, what happened? What's going on? I mean, they're they're one of the worst teams in the league. Um, yeah, I mean, they're again, like like we've said, there's a lot of hockey to be played. They're not in a great spot standings wise, sure, but you also have to realize that's a lot of fucking moving parts to have come out and go in and have to adjust to that, adjust to the move to a new team, adjust to the chemistry with line mates you've probably very you have never played with before or has been well before your professional career and deal with all that and you have to cater to a number one pick to put him in a potentially potentially put him in a scoring role scoring line who's 18 years old so i mean i get it i do i I get it short term and i mean think about it this way we we saw a lot of that with the blues last year starting out you brought perron back you brought in bozak you brought in o'reilly in the trade and you shipped out Berglund, Sabotka, Tage Thompson, 
Um, I'm probably forgetting someone else off the top of my head, but yeah, you change out some old faces for new faces and guys that should be good. They'll get there. It's just, it could be too little too late. I mean, what we saw at the blues are probably most likely never going to see again in our lifetime with the way they turned it around. But I mean, I, I still give them, I still have hope for them to, to challenge for a, for a potential wild card spot. Granted the East is pretty competitive in that sense, but they have time to still gel and, and get things together. Okay, so then that pretty much um, brings us uh, to the question and answer part that we like to do of our podcast, and we appreciate you guys being uh, patient with us because it's been several weeks. Like I said, uh, busy time of year for both of us. Uh, we are going to try. We are definitely going to have another episode before Halloween. We have to. We have to commit to that. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, no so. Doubt. We will have another episode out before the end of the uh, the month, so keep your eyes peeled for that. Uh, let's answer some questions. Um, let's see uh, all comments. I got a few in the messenger too. Yeah, yeah, we have a lot. We have a lot, so we're gonna definitely uh, let's kind of cruise through these and not spend too much time, but also, you know, not stray away from answering it. Uh, Elijah Zenzelmeyer wants to know who's a player on the Blues. Who's impressed you guys so far? I'd say Blay for sure. What what what's your thought? Uh, that's hard, just because a I haven't really thought much about it, and b I mean it's the same team coming back that won the cup basically. So that, that that's a tough one. I mean, I have mine. I can go. I can go first if you if you want. I, I, I well, you you just said, you just said Sammy Blake. Yeah, no, 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 that no, no, no. That was who Elijah Zenzemeyer said. Uh, uh, okay. I, I'm gonna say Shen. He's the biggest uh, surprise for me because not because that I didn't think he's capable of it, but usually when you sign that big of a paycheck, I mean, he's here for eight eight more years, um, and big money. Uh, he's basically going to retire, hopefully a blue. And I mean, I don't know, man, he, he's doing well. Uh, and uh, he's very impressive so far. This uh, the beginning of the season. It's funny. I was going to say the exact same thing for the exact same reason. So now that I can't, thanks asshole. Um, <laughs> I would probably say if you're going from a regular season perspective, Schwartz, I mean, the guy was just fucking snake bit last year. Um, 36 points, miserable. I mean, he's got six points through eight games this year. Granted, he couldn't buy a goal last year. He's got one on the board, so, I mean, he's on pace for about the same there. But, I mean, he should be putting up more points. He should be putting up in the 50-60 mark. He should be getting around 20, at least 20 goals a, a season. And he's on the right side of things so far, which is good to see. And if we have him there and everyone else producing, Bulls will be in a good spot. All right, so Nichelle Veldekamp. Wants to know who our favorite up and coming rookies are. Up and coming rookies. I mean, I guess the 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 two that that sort of stand out. I mean, in a sense, I almost don't want to call them rookies because they've been in the system for a while. I guess I guess Costin hasn't, but I mean, Costin's sort of the next real forward that, that that's knocking on the door. Clem Costin um, down there in San Antonio now. Um, he's He's good. I mean, I honestly feel like we, we have a spot for him on this roster, no doubt, like especially over a Robbie Fabry or something like that. But the problem is Costin's cheap for a while. He's team-controlled, cost-controlled for a few more years. This is really the last time to see if you have something in, in Robbie Fabry before 
you're kind of you're done with them. So we could call him up and play him in a fourth line role, or you know, play him every few games and have him be a healthy scratch, which isn't good for his development. Or you'll put him on a top line down in San Antonio, where he's playing every night, playing twenty minutes a night, and actually, you know, getting exposure that he needs to work on skills and, and make things better. So, um, yeah, that, that that's the guy that's in the forward side of things. And then, I mean, on D, uh, it's tough to say. There's no one really that's, in my opinion, stood out in training camp. That's like, well, maybe you should be here, especially obviously with the trades that were made. Rightfully so that the, the top six that we have is hard to break. Um, so I won't really touch that. But obviously, you know, goaltending wise, what you'd all love to see Jake Allen probably shipped out or, or does something done with him. But uh, Billy Huso down there in Santiago, he's off to a fucking hot start. And I mean, hot start. Like, I, th- I think his numbers are like, like, whoa, like, I think he's at what? Uh, yeah, let's look it up right now. Two, two, two goals against 92 and a half save percentage, which is pretty impressive. Um, granted it's the AHL, but yeah, he's the guy most likely ideally next year is backing up, um, Bennington. So that, that's the guy to keep an eye on too. Well, I mean, okay, so let's veer away before I get into mine. Well, you know what? I'll get into mine and I'll let you think about yours. Just not even blues oriented. Just talking about rookies in general. Who are who are rookies that you are uh, you know that have caught your eye? And and I'll I'll start with mine. I have a few. Um, one is uh, a player that was actually brought to my attention uh, also through the Spit and Chicklets podcast, and I referenced them a lot. Uh, great podcast. Obviously, if you're listening to this, you probably are already subscribed to them because they do pretty much the same thing we do, but on a much bigger scale. Uh, but they talked about a player on uh, the Arizona Coyotes called Connor Garland, yep. um, who is somebody that is only um, played seven games uh, so far. Well, he's played seven games this so far this season. Hasn't had much of an NHL career at all. Um wasn't drafted very early. I believe it was like the fifth round. Uh, and he's put up four goals and an assist in seven games um, with 16 shots on goals. So uh, he he looks very promising, as we talked about earlier, like the Coyotes kind of having a younger team um, benefits them. And it, it, it it's awesome to see guys that didn't really get drafted early. Uh, and didn't really have the the full, you know, experience as far as getting put in, you know, scholarship, full ride in, in college and all this stuff. He he grinded. And uh, and I, I I encourage anyone to look look him up and listen to the most recent episode of Spinning Chicklets, because I thought that was a really cool story. Uh, once again, his name's Connor Garland. He's a uh, forward for the Arizona Coyotes. Otherwise, I want to talk about the very first draft pick of uh, the Vegas Golden Knights, and that's Cody Glass. This is a guy that pretty much halted any sort of negotiations to make Eric Carlson a Vegas Golden Knight. And as you know, I don't know if our listeners know, but I know you know, I'm a big fan of Eric Carlson. Uh, I was. I mean, I, I think he's kind of uh, kind of over his prime, but that's beside the point. Um, it, it really hurt to see him not sign on to the Knights. Uh, and the piece that held it back 
was the very first draft pick. Uh, he was drafted sixth overall, and he's played a, a decent role now uh, on the Knights this season because due to injuries, uh, Eakin was out for a little bit. Alex Tuck was out for a little bit. Uh, and yeah, man, uh, so far he's had uh, six points, two goals, four assists. Uh, he's looking good. And whether or not he has a future with the organization or not, uh, he's definitely proving his worth for a potential uh, trade and bait. But uh, either way, I'm thankful for him. I think he's doing great things. And uh, those are my uh, rookie picks. The two that kind of come to mind. Um, first one would be the Avalanche. Actually played Blue of the Night, funnily enough. Uh, Kale McCarr, I believe he's the defenseman there for Colorado. Um, came up into the season late last year for the Avalanche. They made an impact. Um, he's 20 years old. Uh, he ended up making the postseason roster, played top pairing minutes, performed well, and you know he's off to a solid start. I think he has, what, seven or eight assists to start the season, which is solid, no doubt. Um, so he's someone to definitely see how he actually turns out. And then um, the other one would be on the Canucks, which is actually uh, Jack Hughes' brother, Quinn Hughes. Um, he's a bit, I believe, a bit older um than jack hughes but i believe he just made his uh sort of i guess debut i i want to say it was light last year for a few games or he made it had like an eight or nine game trial something like that or i don't know but yeah this is his first full year in the nhl and i think they actually uh they played against each other and then i think jack hughes scored against the scored against him i don't know if he's on the ice or not but i think it was something like the fourth time ever in the nhl history where a brother recorded his first goal against his team's his brother on a different team playing against him the same night. So kind of a cool moment, but uh, th- those are two guys. I'm, I like the D guys that come up and up or coming. Those are always fun. Granted, you know, I'd love them if they were six foot 10, you know, 270 pounds and throw the body around, which obviously gone nowadays. But uh, you know, these guys, uh, they'll, they'll, they'll make up for it for a bit, I guess, as far as playmaking goes. So moving on, man, we have so many questions, which is awesome because that means you guys are listening and uh, we appreciate that. This is, I believe, 18, 17, 18 episodes in, and uh, we really appreciate you guys checking us out uh, and contributing to these questions. Um, Man, this is so hard uh, because I'm trying to to pick and move on, but uh, fuck, dude, this is so hard. Um, She said. Shane, yeah, Shane Marchand. Ew, terrible last name. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, how would you handle the Leafs cap issues this coming up year? You're really going to ask me that? Come on. I don't know. We don't get paid to answer that, those questions. I and mean, that's it's going to be hard. It's going to be fucking really hard. And they're, you know what? I'm, I don't know how to handle it, but I will tell you what's going to hurt in their defense. Yep. They're going to have a lot. They're going to have to. Let a lot of young up and coming rookies handle their defense. There's no, yeah, there's no way around it. I mean, everyone on their D is uh, unrestricted free agent next year, except Morgan Riley. So their D is going to get revamped with either very low cost people who have some experience, or exactly like you said, rookies. So, yeah, that's going to be a shit show. So I mean, if I'm handling it personally, uh, what you're freeing up eight. 10, 11, 13 million dollars, give or take, on defense. Uh, granted, the cap's going to go up a little bit, but then that's the flip side is 
you have $13 million on fucking long-term IR. And these guys only two and a half million potentially if Zach Hyman doesn't play next year is going to be left on. So that money coming off of the cap is going to get taken right away. Um, so, I mean, at that point, say the cap goes up $3 million, you literally have $3 million and maybe change to have five people play D, which again, doesn't make sense because league minimum is what? 675, 700K times five is three and a half million, I believe. If I'm doing my math right, yeah. So something's got to move. So, I mean, you could potentially see a Casper Kapanen on his way out. Uh, you know, Alexander Kerfoot, a couple other guys potentially there that could, you know, be traded for a pick or something like that. Solid guys who are young, but they need to move that money into defense. Otherwise, they're fucked. But that, that, that's probably what I would do is move one of those younger guys who's a bit more cost controlled and put that extra few million dollars that you're going to barely have into my defense and hope for the fucking best that I can win games like six to four every night. They just need to hope that their offense produces and that their goaltending can remain somewhat of a solid situation. Uh, Cause yeah, their defense is going to be very interesting uh, trying to lock dudes up next season. Uh, Chad Bomershine. And I'm sure I fucked that name up. Wants to know why the fuck does Jake Allen suck balls? Um, and, uh, I have an answer for this and I'm going to handle it as professionally as possible. Uh, I think Jake Allen sucks balls because he was given a unfair cushiony, contract and Jake Allen has only performed when he's put in a situation where he has to fight for his job. Um, now one could argue that he is fighting for his job now, uh, but I think he's given up. Uh, I think last season him opting to coach Biddington uh, and uh, kind of be in the shadows of everything and, and make him out to be this saint there's no secret that I have not been a Jake Allen fan for years. Uh, I I get the updates on Facebook all the time. They're like, so-and-so, you know, Tyler Cash said that Jake Allen's a bum five years ago. And I'm like, well, damn right. You know, I, I've been old school hating Jake Allen. Uh, and I got shit for a long time. Uh, and I, I feel bad shitting on goaltending because it is very hard. And it is one of the hardest positions in all of sports it's definitely the hardest position in hockey um he just doesn't have what it takes uh to be a number one he definitely doesn't have what it takes to be a number one here uh i think bennington and huso would make a much better combo uh hopefully we can get uh, a bag of pucks in exchange for jake allen and that's where i'm at with that we will see but yeah i mean they also got to look at the flip side, too. Any year that Jake Allen excel, whether he's fighting for his job or not, we played a very defensive game, like a, almost like a trap game with Hitchcock, for example. So even an average or below average goalie is going to not have high you know, goals against, realistically. So that's out of being out of the equation, playing with a more, you know, not, still defensively minded, but not as extreme as a Hitchcock was, or even... Uh, Fuck, Mike Yo, I almost forgot his name for a second. I almost wanted to call him Davis Payne, the old fucking guy that was <laughs> with us for a bit. Yeah. Yeah. Michael so Yeah. He was a bit defensive minded too, and he was okay with him. But then now that you have a guy who's a little bit more happy to, you know, 
let the let the defense jump in, have the offense run things a bit more. It's it's definitely showing that he's not what he needs to be and really never was in my opinion. So ideally, I mean, he's making a pretty penny. He's making a good paycheck, so he can't really feel bad for the guy. Somehow get through the season with him. Deal with the bullshit. Have him come around to be average. Whether that be he needs to play all of his fucking games that he plays on the road because he can't play in St. Louis because he knows everyone doesn't like him. I don't know. But, um, yeah, I think I pointed out in our chat the other day where it was like last year's goals against at home was like 3.8 or something stupid last year. But then on the road, it was like 2.1 something, which just blows my mind, especially because majority of his games were on the road. So, um, anyway, uh, yeah, ideally get through the season with him in the off season package him and maybe a low chip prospect or a low draft pick and have a team who's in desperate need of a goalie or to get to the cap floor or whatever the case may be, take them on and hope they can get something out of them and then bring up Huso and yeah, you take, you know, almost what three point something, 3.7, 3.6 million off your books. But, uh, yeah, that actually ties in well to uh, another question that we got from uh, someone on our messenger. I believe their name is Kaz Can. Interesting name, but he's asked. Um, actually, I think actually no. Hey, hey, I'm gonna save his for later. It was a different guy. This one, sorry, Jeremy Pinkowski. He asked, "What do you do with the Steen and Bowmeister money?" So I'm assuming that's referring to the off season as well, where Bowmeister's contract is up. Steen's contract is up and you figure out what the fuck to do. Well, and let me, let me, I'm going to cut you off and give you my answer because it's so much shorter than I'm sure yours (laughs) is going to be. And that's, that's uh, you lock up Petrangelo. I mean, that's, you need that money. You need that. You need it. Like, cause I mean, Petrangelo is due up and there you go. That's you need to, you need to lock him in. I mean, he, he needs to retire as a blue he was the first captain in the history of the franchise to bring a cup home. Um, you need that story. You need that feel good story. And Pat Maroon's gone. And yeah, you got Petrangelo. Give him a fucking statue outside of uh Scott trade fucking keel center, whatever the fuck you yeah. want to call it these days. Give him a statue. Let him be the man. And yeah, that's what you do uh, with it. I don't disagree. But the, the flip side of it, too, is I don't know if the, 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 the person who asked Jeremy knew or not, but Steen still has two more years left. So Steen's that up after this year. It's only Bo Um Is it two years? I thought it was one year. Or we yeah, had It's two years. Two same with years? Alan. I know you're like two years. Oh, same shit. Yeah. So we got that to figure out. I, I don't see the blues buying the guy out. I mean, you just hear too many class things that he does in the locker room. Um, those spit and chicklets. Some of the blues players have it on there. They just say world-class things about Steen. Um, I mean, he's still playing decent granted. Yeah. He's overpaid. There's no question about it. There's no getting around it whatsoever, but I mean, he's a great guy to have around. He plays his role well and yeah, it's a sec pain, you know, almost 5.8 million for a third, fourth line guy now. Yeah, no shit. But I mean, with Bo Meester money gone, if you're able to move Jake Allen or I mean, hell, if even Bo Meester comes back at a reasonable rate, if he can, you know, stay healthy this year and does want to come back for one more year, no, he'll probably take a discount at that point. That saves you money, brings back a solid D guy. doesn't expose our, our younger guys in our, in our farm system too much yet. And really the only thing you need to worry about is if Robbie Fabry somehow turns it on and 
plays balls out and gets 40, 50 points somehow this year. You're going to have to deal with that because he's arbitration. I believe, no, I don't know if he's arbitration or not, but you have to deal with giving him a raise. But then also you have to worry about Vince Dunn, who is also another RFA. He's going to get a raise. So that money that you save on Bo Meester might go to those two guys potentially. And then you got to figure out, yeah, what the fuck do we do with Petro? But again, if you move Jake Allen, I feel like it solves it for that year. So. Yeah, if you can, if you can. And I know you've said on several occasions that the Blues aren't the kind of organization to buy people out of their contracts. Uh, I I mean, make an exception for Jake Allen, because I think it's more than that. Will you will you look it up? I mean, you're the you're the stat guy right here. He makes more than three point four. Who? He makes like four point five. Oh, no, I, w- I was speaking specifically about uh, about Bowmeister's money coming off. No, not Jake. Oh, I thought you were saying Jake Allen made like $3 million. I'm like, no, th- no dude, that no, asshole makes Bo- like $5 yeah, million. That's, that's Bo Meester for sure. But yeah, he makes about 4.35. You want to talk about, you know, badly managed money. I like Steen, but I mean, $5 million for a fourth liner, way too much money. $5 million for a backup goaltender, way too much money. When they come off the books, if and when, uh, that'll help a lot. They're going to have to make some moves. Uh, they've gone on the record saying that they're going to make some more moves and that they have every intent to sign uh, Petrangelo. I think they do it. Um, that's a, I'm gonna, you know what? I'm going to I'm going to lump these next two questions together so that we're not just stuck on all blues questions. But um, Russell Edwin Clark wants to know, do you think there's a chance that Pat Maroon will wear the blue note again? And the only reason I'm bringing that up is because you and I had a little conversation before we even started recording, and I thought you brought up a good point. But I'm also going to time that in with Kaz Khan, who wants to know if Dustin Bufflin will leave the buffet and return to the blue line. <laughs> and I don't know if he's at a buffet. I don't, I don't, I don't know if there's a lot of uh, buffets up in Canada. I don't know if it's like uh, if it's anything like Vegas. But let's talk about it. Will Will Pat Ryan return to the Blues, and will Dustin Bufflin return to the Jets? No, on Maroon. Only reason he would ever return would be this year, in my opinion, and that would have to be a situation where, like, fuck, I don't know. Say Steen's out for the year. Say you know, fuck, Sanford also is out for the year. Two relatively, you know. One's a veteran guy who sticks up first teammates. Another is a big bodied guy who's coming into the league and, and, and kind of coming around a bit. And at that point, you're like, well, okay, we're in the playoff hunt. And now it have to also coincide with the Lightning not making the playoffs or on the cusp of not making the playoffs. And the Blues would be like, yeah, let's get Maroon back. He's league minimum. Here's a seventh round or a sixth round pick for him. That, that's not happening anyway, in my opinion. So let's just, uh, yeah, let's just move on past Maroon, please. I, I get the love for Maroon. I do. Um, St. Louis has a hard on for these uh, blue collar fourth line fellas. And so do I. Uh, but yeah, move on. I mean, he's not coming back. It. I Honestly, I think there's a better chance that Revo comes back and I'm not trying to get anyone up, uh, up, up, uh, up in arms or anything like that, or, or give any hopes up. But yeah, I think his, his ship has sailed. And unfortunately we're at the point where a lot of that kind of play is just not a thing. It's getting younger, faster. There's guys that are 
not even built very big that are just slower guys that are not slower, smaller. I'm sorry. Um, that's kind of where the league's heading. Uh, and yeah, I, I'm happy for Maroon. I'm glad he found his way onto a, a team that shows promise, but I don't see him returning. Uh, Bufflin is an interesting scenario. I, I don't know what to make of it um, because part of me thinks he sat it out so they could figure out their cap issues. And then part of me is wondering why he, he's not back and what that means. Where, where are you at with Bufflin? Well, I would say first things first. He's probably not at a fucking buffet table right now. He's probably out fishing. That's my guess. Um, but anyway, uh, again, another, another story for another day. But yeah, I think it's a point where he's coming back. But they need to fit him under the cap. So his cap hit is, I believe it's 7 point something, 7.6 million. And they only have 6.6 6 million projected cap space. So what that means is they need to wait for his prorated cap hit to basically get underneath that, or at least significantly underneath it where they have at least a little wiggle room in case of injury or something. So what, realistically speaking, 7.6 million, let's do a quick math, let's say 15% of the season goes by, that puts it at just under 6.5 million of what they owe him. So that would be what at that point, uh, 82 games, was that roughly 12 or 13 games into the season. So pretty close. They can bring him back or he can decide to come back, whatever you want to look at it as. And uh, they'll be under the cap. He'll be able to play. They'll have their two guys signed and everyone can move on. But that's how, that's how I see it playing out because there's no way in hell a guy is going to leave $6 million on the table. I really don't care who you are. You can show up and play like dog shit. You're getting your money. So. I think he's he's working with the team, and that's one of those scenarios that seems pretty damn sketchy, yeah. I guess. But, I mean, I, I get it, though. I mean, he's a fan favorite, and, uh, yeah, I mean, like, wish him the best, but, I mean, who knows? Who knows at this point and, what's going to happen? And, again, if there is some actual serious shit going on with him, like, I hope he's still doing okay, is getting better, you know, what have you, but. Yeah, assuming that's the case, all the best to him. Assuming it's a team thing where it's kind of like an under-the-table agreement, fuck you, you guys suck, and I hope you are continue to be garbage. All right. Well, uh, we're about an hour and a half in. We have so many more questions, but we're going to end on one that uh, is just open, not really set to one team, um, which is – I mean, I think it's a pretty obvious answer. It's almost like I made a fake profile on Facebook to ask this question so that I could, like, baste myself. Um, but Lyle Gonzalez uh, wants to know, who is the best enforcer in the league right now? Um, I, mean, I think it's, yeah, there's no competition, right? It's not even competition, but what other enforcers in the league? If you say Scott Sabarin, I'm going to laugh at you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess you could say Tom Wilson, right? Like, he's kind of an enforcer role. I mean, Pat Maroon is still technically in the league. I mean, I mean, he's an enforcer role. But, I mean, Ryan Reeves, That's a, he's arguably, somebody could say he's the best enforcer of this generation. Or, I mean, the last of his you could put up a good, 
he's the last of his kind. You could put up an argument that he's the best enforcer of all time. I'm, I'm not saying that. I mean, there's a lot, but I'm just saying you could put a solid argument that Ryan Reeves brings an element to the game that nobody is currently. Um, and if you've listened to our podcast, like I said, we're nearly like we're like 18 episodes deep, I believe. And if you've listened, uh, me and Tommy are big fans of old time hockey. We grew up, uh, you know, watching a lot of hockey in the nineties where, you know, it was kind of like the end of an era where like enforcers were really predominant. You know, if you had a superstar, you had an enforcer that backed him up. Uh, which is why I've really latched on to Ryan Reeves. Uh, he's my favorite player uh, currently in the league. Um, I'm not going to suck his dick on air right now and really go into detail, but the guy, man, he just, he brings an element to the game these days that you just don't see. Um, there was a fight the other night and we have a video on our Facebook. You can reference it uh, where he caught a dude's fucking fist in yeah. midair. I don't even what, what that that's the dude that um what was it uh no, Scott Saverin. uh Austin yeah Saverin like where Austin Matthews like looked at the back of his jersey and they, and like the dude's trying to make a name for himself right like you can't argue that and I respect that and I I appreciate that he's like he went after Reeves and it's so funny if you look at the video Reeves is looking at him at the face off like do you not know who I am like. Really, and he and he and he hacks at him, and he's Reeves like, okay, let's fucking go, and 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 he, he catches his fucking fist, yeah. like, and there's a slow mo video on our Facebook. If you haven't seen it, go back and watch it, and if you have seen it, go back and watch it because it's fucking wild, and uh, yeah, man, like, no one comes close. I'm sorry, like, I mean, bias as it is, Reeves is the best enforcer in the league, and. Arguably the best enforcer of this generation. Sure, I'll, I'll agree with it, but um, I don't want to end on that question. I want to end on my question, and you know it's coming. Oh, you know God. it's coming, and it's a fair question, <laughs> and we have our, our differences. But uh, the, que- the question is, fuck. Okay, only if this question will shut Andy up. I hope. I don't know that he'll be even <laughs> listening to this, but like, you need to make him listen to this, so I don't have to repeat myself. For the hundredth fucking now it's officially on record. Is Tyler Cash a true fifty-fifty Blues and Knights fan? (sighs) All right. So here's the thing. Um, Here's the thing. So if you're listening right now and you know me decently through social media, you know me personally on any level, whatever. Um, I've been a hockey fan my whole life. Uh, played hockey growing up, was a big fan. Uh, I, I mean, I, I'm from St. Louis, Missouri, so I'm a big Blues fan. Uh, more specifically in the 90s. I think the 90s, that was when I was really into hockey. I think the Blues had a great team. Um, big Curtis Joseph fan, uh, Brett Hall, uh, Pronger, and McKennis, even fucking Craig Janney. Um, twist. Fucking I man, I, I go way back, right? I, I love hockey um from St. Louis. If I wasn't from St. Louis, why would I be a blues fan? There's no reason to be a blues fan. Notoriously losing um 
it hurts. It really it, it, it's it's been a painful experience to be a blues fan. I know Tommy uh, agrees with me on this. Um, it, but I am, and I am, and I'm not the kind of guy to uh, desert a sinking ship uh, under any circumstances. But uh, I've always kind of had a second team growing up. Uh, always kind of kept an eye on on the Mighty Ducks just because the movies um was a big part of my growing up um and yeah i mean i i don't follow any other sports i think baseball sucks i've always wanted to like football but i don't um so yeah i'm just a hockey guy watch all all hockey all games i i'm a fit i consider myself a 50 50 fan but yeah i I mean i get a lot of shit for liking two teams because you're not allowed to Right. That's how it works. Yes. But from our perspective, <laughs> our perspective is Blues win the Stanley Cup, right? It's an amazing time. We go to the parade together. We both, we all touch the cup as it goes by with Ryan O'Reilly's hands with his fucking top hat. It's a great time. But the whole fucking offseason, after that, all we're hearing is Vegas Knights this, Vegas Knights that. Vegas Knights this, Vegas Knights that, and the whole fucking offseason, the team you've liked since the beginning wins the fucking Stanley Cup, and all you can talk about is fucking Golden Knights. Pisses me off. Pisses us all off. I mean, that's obvious. That's obvious. But here's the thing, too. Like, going back to my heart, right? Like, I, I'm an underdog guy. I'm a, like, I like losers, I guess, just by fucking default. And the Blues won. And I mean, I'm going to be real with you. It was great. We celebrated. It was awesome. And I feel really awesome for the team. And the city, but man, it doesn't even feel right. <laughs> it literally, it still hasn't sunk in that the Blues won. But I mean, I dude, I'm a Blues fan. I'm not the kind of guy to desert his team. Uh, I love hockey. I get double hockey. Being in the Midwest, being from St. Louis, the Blues game starts at 7. The Knights game starts at 9 because it's 7 o'clock in Vegas. It's fucking perfect for me. I think it's awesome. Um I will say, and I'm going to call you out on this. It makes no sense for, you know what? I'm going to call every Blues fan out because I am. I'm calling you out because the Blues won their cup, 51 years, 52 years. Is it 52 uh, or one? Technically, 51 years. They won a cup. Y'all can calm down, okay? You don't need to hate the Knights, okay? There's no fucking reason for you to hate a team that you've never faced in the postseason that you face three times a year. Would have faced them in the postseason if they if they didn't uh, choke that penalty kill, but you know. Okay, well, thank fucking God they didn't. <laughs> not a major. Hashtag not a big deal. Uh, I get it. I get it. But there's no reason. There's just no reason for it. They're, at this point, they're not a threat. They're, and if anything... They're really not a threat because, like, have they ever won a game against the Blues? Uh, like one? In, I believe both in overtime. They have a losing record against the Blues. The Blues have the upper hand. They've won a cup. And there you go. I'm going to get shit forever for it. But you know what? At least I didn't desert my original team. Personally, I see it as more like a, like a 65 Vegas 35 Blues thing. All we want is for you on Snapchat is for one week. One week be your fucking Knights Bitmoji, and then for the next week, be your Blues Bitmoji. That's all we ask for. I've complied. I've complied. It's, it's been close. It's been decent. Well, thank you guys so much for uh, for tuning in again. Um, 
we will promise that we will have another episode out before Halloween, which means we have 10 days. Tommy, we have 10 days to just sit down and do another episode. Um, yeah. So I, we appreciate you guys checking us out. Fourthlinegoon.com, uh, Instagram, Twitter. We're trying to be better on Twitter, but mainly Facebook. So add us on there and, uh, yeah, you have anything else you want to add? Uh, I don't except night suck. Even though that makes no no <laughs> sense whatsoever. Before we end, I'm going to put you on the spot. What football team do you follow now? I, I don't follow a football. Oh team. fuck I off! A what fantasy a bullshit answer that I draft. So I collectively root for my players. I don't care yeah, about the I outcome of the games. I don't. I hear that answer, and it's like, oh, because it's football. It's okay. Just like how people say I didn't fucking watch the Super Bowl last year, and I didn't. I fucking refused to watch it, and I'm glad I didn't. I did. It was great, and I want to point out right now that the Patriots are seven and zero, and they won tonight, thirty three to nothing. I'm just gonna throw yeah, that out you there. Support you support an owner who's fucking too <laughs> sad and to go fucking get hand jobs from his wife or fucking a prostitute like normal person. He goes to a fucking spa to do it. Yeah. Well, anyway, Tom Brady is the Wayne Gretzky of the NFL. That's all I wanted to conclude it on that one. So, all right, I'm 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 off. <laughs> Fist yourself. All right. Goodbye. Cheers, everybody.